0: Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for change makers where we question the conventional, debunk marketing myths, provide actionable tips, think differently, disrupt industries, and take your marketing to a new level. From improving your campaigns to making you a better marketer, these are the inspirational stories that will help us change the way we think and approach B2B marketing one conversation at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Einbleich Consulting, helping you to stand out in the market and drive revenue to your B2B business. And now your host, Christian Klepp. Okay, folks, welcome to this episode of B2B Marketers on a Mission. This is a show where we help you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. This is your host, Christian Klepp. And today I'm joined by someone on a mission to help B2B companies close trust gaps with strategic video testimonials. So coming to us from Vancouver, Canada, Dustin Tysak, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Christian, thanks for having me.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Great to be connected, Dustin. And uh, you know, I, I, I must say, short of stating the obvious, you are from a beautiful part of Canada, right? For all of those that don't know.
1: <laughs> this time of year, yeah, it's nice and sunny. The, the other nine months, there's a lot of rain, but beautiful place for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. And for those that don't know, look up that Netflix series, Island of the Seawolves. So it's kind of close to that, right? So (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Okay. So Dustin, let's dive in because this is a really pertinent topic for B2B marketers out there. So you're an expert when it comes to helping B2B companies solve, as it says in your LinkedIn profile, solve their revenue puzzles and bringing teams together. But for this conversation, let's zero in. On something that I think has become part of your professional mission. It's closing the trust gaps in a trust deficient world. So let's kick off this conversation with this question. Why do you think trust is such a challenge in B2B?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the data, even historically, back in the day, the trust level for sales and marketers is about as low as lawyers and dentists, right? Like there are certain people who just aren't trusted whatsoever. And we we kind of got around that. If you go back a little bit in B2B, because the, the seller controlled most of the journey. So they could kind of choose what the buyer would see. They could build trust that way. Now we're in this new world where buyers do, depending on where you look in the data, 80 to 90% of the research before talking to someone. Because they don't trust what the company is going to say, right? Like they want to hear from peers. They want to do their own research. They want to get out there. So it, there is this lack of trust. And when I say trust gaps, those that is the lack of trust that has to be filled before potential customers will actually reach out and engage with you in a conversation. So I think it's it's snowballing more and more as we go on the trust side and leaning more towards community and social proof.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, you brought brought up some of those answers already, but how do you think B2B companies should fill that gap, that trust gap? And I know it's a process, right? It's not like a this one sentence answer or download this and bam, yeah. you've got trust, right? So
1: yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think I almost don't like using social proof because it's kind of this checkboxy thing, but using voice of customer, I would say is maybe that's a bit different term is one way, you know, there's a lot you can do on the product marketing side as well with building trust with the product, making it transparent, giving people ability to play with it and get exposure to it and trust that way. But I do think voice of customer is a large piece as well. And some of it you can control. Some of it is kind of gamified and sort of BS that people brush it off and don't really care about. And some of it just happens organically behind the scenes, like dark social, like everyone's talking about in communities. So the part I focus on is the part you can control that is actually human and relatable, which is legitimate customer stories. We focus on video, but, you know, these stories could take place in video, text, audio, any format. I just have my bias to video and, you know, the highest starting with highest fidelity and breaking down from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we will talk about that later on in the conversation. But... This is such a great segue into the next uh, question, which I am sure you will have no problem answering. Common mistakes and misconceptions in the world of B2B, once again, when it comes to closing that trust gap and what B2B marketers should do to address those.
1: Yeah, I would say stopping with reviews and generic case studies and thinking that's enough is a common mistake. And, you know, reviews honestly kind of sort of fall into that As marketers, we know it's a little bit of BS, and I would say even short form written testimonials on the site. And you know, my reason for that is reviews a lot of times are incentivized, right? You're paying for it. And on a lot of those review sites, you're actually paying on where you show up, right? G2 being the exception, but the vast, vast majority. So I think that social proof is necessary and you need... That's like a checkbox. You need to show up there because they own the organic search results and your buyers are going to find that. You need to show up positively, which is fine. And then the other part is like generic checkbox case studies. So I've been in this position. um, Now I'm in a marketing slash sales role, but as a marketer, sales would come to you and say, hey, we got these six industries, go get a case study in each I need it. And they don't care about the story. They don't really care who the customer is. It's just this checkbox, do we have a story, do we not? People don't read them most of the time. So I think focusing on that, like. Instead of it being checkboxy, what is the actual story you're going to tell? How does that story relate to your brand positioning and messaging? How does it relate to objections the buyer has? Like, I think it's a more strategic, thoughtful approach rather than just, we need six of these, check it off, we're done.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I'd like to go back to what you said um, a couple of seconds ago, because I think it's super important. Had a couple of folks um, talk about it on the podcast, but over to you. Dustin, how do you save the world of B2B from boring case studies? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're going
0: to go if we're going to go down like uh like you know the uh the uh, check checkbox boulevard, right? Yeah,
1: I think it's tell the story of the person or people involved in the software and not the company. Like there's nothing more boring than Company X had 2x ROI with our product and, you know, a 300% improvement in this and this is what the company did. What they want to know is like, what is the job to be done of the person who's giving this? How did you impact their job and their career? How did you make them look like a hero? And then how did that impact the business? So that's part of it. People relate to customer stories, I think more. And then there's a lot on length and format, right? So I think you have to be really far usually in the buyer's journey to sit down and read a long form case study, if you're going to read it at all. Like it's a big investment sitting there reading a thousand words. So I think that's part of it as well, like make it snappy, make it short, make it engaging and have it actually tell a human story that people can connect with.
0: Yeah, no, those are some really good points. Those are some really good points. And and again, another great segue into the next question, (laughs) because man, and you probably know this better than most, but in order to have like really these case studies or video testimonials that really knock it, knock it out of the park, right? short of stating the obvious you have to have a deep understanding of who the customers are yeah. and at what stage of the buyer's journey they're at right but talk to us about the importance of those
1: yeah i mean that's kind of a, a necessary thing to do before and also a nice side benefit of doing case studies you get a lot of customer research and you understand the customer a lot better and i think whether it's a video testimonial, a case study anything usually it begins with an interview i would say 90 percent of the time right and that's where the actual research and thought goes in, is asking the right questions. It's really easy. I'm sure if you Google what questions to ask in a customer interview, you're going to get this generic, why did you recommend us? Why did you choose us? Think back to why you purchased us. And those are fine. And you know you still need those to help tell part of the story. But think more critically about okay, I'm going to chop this up into different pieces that are going to live at different stages. So if my buyer is in the unaware stage, what do they care about? If they're you know, in the consideration stage and comparing, what are their questions, fears, and doubts? Ask questions about that. And you're going to end up with A, a more engaging story and B, more pieces of content from a single interview. Because I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is 45 minutes of your customer time. You ask them a bunch of questions that are kind of the same and they just repeat the same stuff in different words and you end up with one 90 second video or one written case study, which is fine, but why wouldn't you try to get, you know, eight to 10 pieces of content from that interview that you can use, your sales team can use, your CS team can use, your marketing team, demand gen team. Like, I think that's a better use of time and the strategy you should take.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Like I totally agree with that. I wanted to throw this question out there, uh, Dustin, because I know that you can answer it, no problem. Absolutely agree with, you know, having to conduct this customer research up front and how important that is. It's one thing to interview a customer that has had had success with said product or service, right? Mm -hmm. And they're really happy with the experience and and whatnot. But what about customers or clients that have either, you know, they've canceled the contract, the lead has gone stale. It was a potential piece of business that said company did not win. How important do you think it is to interview or conduct research with companies that fall into those three categories I mentioned? And how would that influence um, the way that you do video testimonials? Yeah,
1: I think that research is super important. I mean, obviously, Mm. you don't want to plaster that content on your website and lead with it probably, but it helps inform the questions you ask in a video testimonial. So, Mm. you know, doing a loss analysis, let's say, of deals that were competitive that you almost won, maybe you incentivize it. 25 bucks to get them on a call, because people usually don't respond to that. Then you know why you lost and what those objections were, because sometimes they don't come out in the sales process. So I think there's value in that for knowing the shortcomings. And then you can find a way to actually address it and come up with content that can solve that. Oftentimes, you know, feed it back into product, because sometimes it is just a straight, we don't have this feature, we don't have this functionality. But I think those, you know, in general, customer research there needs to not be a siloed thing that some team off to the side does and they don't let the rest of the revenue team know. And B, yeah, you do need to interview ones that you didn't win that weren't positive so that you can get those effective stories from the ones that were positive that address those issues.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to oversimplify it here, but it's, uh, it's, (laughs) it's it's tempting to like, you know, have those success stories where it's like a high five moment for everybody in the organization. Yeah. And nobody wants to have the tough conversations to, to your point about, well, we lost this piece of business because either we didn't have the product, or, yep. uh, big surprise, maybe there was a customer that was not satisfied with the experience mm-hmm. that they had in our, uh, you know, with our company at all, right? But it's just as important to have a conversation with those people because we're always talking about continuous improvement and what kind of iteration can we do to to make that experience more seamless for customers and whatnot. And sometimes, in order to to your point. To generate those insights and to extract that information, you're going to have to have conversations that are, well, they're going to be a little bit tougher, right? Because you're going to talk to people that were probably not satisfied with what they were getting, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think kind of the, like off to a tangent there a little bit, is the Mm -hmm. ones who maybe hit a speed bump as well and are now happy or somewhat happy. Those are actually Mm -hmm. some of the most compelling stories. you know, This part was kind of difficult, but you know, this team turned it around, knocked out of the park after maybe a rough onboarding. They addressed our concerns. That stuff's valuable as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.ionblake.co for more information. Let's look back at maybe, I would say, not that far, like maybe the past two or three years, right? Like just from your professional perspective, how has the way that B2B buyers make decisions or purchases changed and how should B2B marketers adapt to these changes?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's the channels that used to work kind of sort of work. And we probably thought were better than they were because of how attribution works, right? Like we thought just pour money into Google. But when you're actually looking at how people are buying, it's usually they do a bunch of research and they talk to peers, right? This like the reference call thing. Let me talk to happy customer things is happening behind the scenes without you setting it up nowadays, whether it's in a Slack community, a colleague they know on LinkedIn, even just cold back channel messaging. So I think there's a lot more Let me talk to my community and my peers and figure this out. And it ties back to trust, probably because they don't fully trust the companies. And part of that is, especially on the tech side, I think products are getting not fully commoditized, but pretty damn close because it's easier to build things. It's quicker to build things. And that's just escalating. So they want to know about the experience of being a customer, not just the checkboxy, what feature does it have? You're still going to get those annoying RFPs where it is just checkbox and price. But more, more and more buyers, I think, are taking the approach of talking to peers and really understanding what it's like.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, it's it's getting away from that um, that inside out approach, right? Like where yeah. companies where companies are like, well, this is what we assume. Um, th- this is our assumption about how the market behaves and how how our buyers behave and whatnot. And uh, and I I can't claim credit for this because this is somebody else that said it on LinkedIn. <laughs> but it's it's shifting to that approach where you create a more positive experience based on the way your best customers buy.
1: Right? Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Dustin. I call this one the Lego approach because it <laughs> requires you to it requires you to break things down into their respective parts. Okay. Right. Yeah. But break it down for us. Um uh, how do you build and you've answered you you've given some of the answers already, but like how do you build trust and credibility? through the different stages of the buyer's journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does go back kind of to asking the right questions and basically having a proper understanding of your buyer and mapping out their needs. So the approach we take there is think the traditional stages, unaware, aware, consideration, decision, all all the way through to an expansion and renewal. We map out what are the key topics people care about at that stage? Right. And what do you need to do to build trust? So think unaware in our case for our like go to market. This is cold LinkedIn ads to a targeted list of accounts. They don't really want to hear people just talking about Testimonial Hero. So what we want to do is have our customers evangelizing the category. Like what was the impact of video testimonials? Why are they important? Not really talking about us. As a byproduct, of course, the ads are from us. So you know, there's the relation there. But we're not just spouting about us because people aren't in that comparison stage and they don't care. Whereas it goes to the remarketing stage, they're more They're aware of us. We want to drive home our differentiation and why it matters when it goes to the sales stage where, you know, we're in a competitive deal and they have specific objections. We want content mapped to that. So short video snippets that handle specific objections. So to give a concrete example there, one of our common objections in more enterprise deals is, you know, we're a big company. We have a video team. Why should we work with you? and we have testimonials from companies like HubSpot saying we also have a big video team we work with testimonial hero because that video team is busy getting in the queue and getting stuff done is almost impossible they do this faster and better than we can because of you know capacity that's compelling and it's we've tried with us saying it and it's yeah yeah you're a seller you know you have your spiel for everything but yeah. from a customer it's valid so yeah. that's what we do is we map it all out and then start chipping away like to me, it's a multi-year approach. Of these are all the things we need. Let's prioritize them and get those stories built. Because you know, you can't Rome wasn't built in a day. I guess, and neither was your video testimonial strategy. Kind of the same deal.
0: Well done. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But you know, going back to like, and I'm a big fan of mapping or diagramming things out of yeah. Field. And the point you brought up is so valid because once you start doing that and you map out those different stages of the journey and what people care about, what con- uh, what topics they're looking for, what are their priorities, what are not their priorities, et cetera, et cetera. That yep. takes all the guesswork out of this exercise, right?
1: Exactly. And you don't have
0: customers coming back to you and like, hey, Dustin, it didn't work. Why? Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things like if you don't put up the work up front and hmm. also come to the um, kind of the measurement side and how you assess it a little bit, because this is one of those things that isn't a direct one-to-one. You know, it's not let's put five grand into this keyword like in our case video testimonials and see what the return is and map it out because they're searching in there you know in that demand capture stage in this case you also have to think through like what do you actually want and what is the goal of each of these videos and then make sure the content the media type the topic all matches that so if it's early stage you just want people to interact with the ads so they go to your remarketing layer they're in the remarketing layer you want them to come back to your site and get the named accounts there. That's the goal. So I think, you know, taking that strategic approach helps.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Dustin, we get to the point in the conversation yeah. where we talk about actionable tips. Yeah. And now going back to what you said earlier, Rome wasn't built in a day. All right. We we all understand and we need to appreciate that. But like, let's just assume that there's somebody out there mm-hmm. that's listening to this conversation that you and I are having that's thinking about Doing this right with video testimonials, customer success stories, and whatnot. What are like three to five things that they can do after listening to this conversation in terms of like helping to build that trust and credibility? Off you go.
1: Yeah. So I think I was going to say an easy one. It's not easy to do. It's easy to think about is (laughs) to actually build your advocacy pipeline, is what we call it. Because so often this becomes an ad hoc thing of, oh, we need stories. Let's email 300 customers. It's not sustainable. It's going to fall off all the time. So build it into your process, right? Like if you run NPS or CSAT or you know, anything like that that measures happiness, tie in and ask for a customer conversation, whether or not you're gonna ha- make a customer testimonial. So make that part of your process across your revenue team. So you actually have a stream of content because we see a ton of companies just get stuck saying, I can't get customers to say yes, I can't find customers. And a lot of it is, it's a side of the desk thing that isn't a process. So I would say that's a major one and tip one to get going. The other one is actually do these and prep and practice your interview skills. That is a very, very underrated thing. And as someone who also has a podcast, if I look back at the start, I was horrible at interviewing. It's really hard. It's not a natural skill.
0: Yeah. You and me both, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's tough if you've never done yeah. it before, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Actually, put in the time to learn to be a good interviewer because then you're going to get a better conversation. It's going to be more authentic. Like it'll actually be a conversation, not a robotic. Back and forth. So that's two. And then I think the third one is start small, right? Like just get one of these done and figure out the process as you go. Don't feel like, you know, I need five of these off the jump. I need to know exactly how I'm going to repurpose the content. Just actually go do it. Have one of these conversations, whether it's on Zoom or however, just to practice, have them get the content and then explore and then, you know, grow and kind of productize it almost and make it more of a process as you go from there. And then finally, I would say the fourth one. Once you do that and you have a sample, don't just throw it on your customer page and leave it for eternity, right? Like I do think you need to put content in different places to actually gauge success and build this program. And especially nowadays, right? Like you're going to be asked, okay, we paid you know, three grand, five grand, ten grand to get these customer stories. What are we doing with them? Where are they? So I think a lot of those questions really just go do it is kind of the short answer. Um, but hopefully those tips help a bit.
0: No, fantastic, fantastic. No, I love it. Uh, just to quickly recap: so build it in your process, tie in and ask customers for a conversation, practice your interviewing skills. Oh man, amen to that. That's so yeah. important, right? Starting small, see what works, iterate progressively, and don't just throw it on your customer page, right? Like you gotta, you gotta try to like uh, uh, repurpose is probably not the right word, but like um, give it. Give it that longevity it needs and deserves yeah, right
1: exactly yeah the exposure because you know exposure. say three percent of people are actually in market maybe mm-hmm. a fraction of a percent of them are going to go to your customer page so yeah. why just have it there
0: yeah no i've got a follow-up question for you dustin and only because yeah. you brought it up right But <laughs> because this is one that I, I don't know about you but like a lot of b2b marketers i've talked to struggle with this one they're going out there doing some outreach and asking Mm -hmm. customers okay can we you know can we interview you for a customer success story or video testimonial and they do come up against some resistance and i suppose a lot of it boils down to approach the way you package it your choice of words but over Mm -hmm. to you how do you ask customers to you know participate and how do you get them to say yes
1: yeah so i have a few suggestions on the messaging side i have one maybe more boring approach that you have to do first. And it goes back to tying it to process. So like actually one of our most successful ways to do this is we don't like giving discounts. We don't really like the word discount. I think most sales and marketing people don't. That being said, we'll give in exchange for a get. So we actually build this in early stage for a sales process. So that's one tip that I don't think people do. Like a lot of people do the CPS CSAT. But if it's a hey we're going to give you five percent off if you agree in six months if you're happy to do a testimonial no obligation like we just want to get there so you're aware and then you're planting the seed early so that's i think a key point planning the seed early and then when it comes to the ask don't make it all about you is a very important thing there is legitimate value in you know telling that person's story and raising their profile a bit people like talking about themselves and their success stories right so frame it as that a little bit you know you've been really successful using our product you're one of our power users we wanted to you know have an interview with you and record some of your thoughts and feelings on it we think it'll help other customers as well to learn from you that's a lot better than hey can you give us a testimonial so we can use it in our marketing material and it's true right like we actually do want to care about the customer story so i think that's one um and then the third one i'll give which is Hard for, I think, CS people in particular, because it's not often their natural skill set, is kind of treat it like a sales opportunity a little bit. Like you're going to have to chase these a bit. You don't want to be pushy and there's a fine line, but it can't just be a one off I'm going to send one email and if they ignore me, I'm never going to mention it again. Like it's okay to actually follow up, you know, try to find a way to make it happen and chase it a little bit if it's a valuable story.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. All great points, um, and especially the one about like not not making it about you. yeah. Um, and it's about making the customer the hero, right?
1: It's yeah.
0: not about like, you know, they're successful because our product was so awesome, right? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to really highlight the customer. And I mean, the side benefit there as well is the people watching it are going to relate more because yeah. the person speaking is going to be more engaged talking about their individual story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right, on to the next question. Love <laughs> it or hate
1: it? Metrics. I just thought you were just doing metrics in general. I'm like, that's a tough one to answer.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. Um on this topic of building trust and video testimonials. Just I mean, we we don't need a list of 40 things. Just what are some of the top metrics that you think B2B marketers should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, specifically to video testimonials. I'm gonna kind of go back to it depends where you're using them, is the short of it, right? So I'm gonna give three stages. There's a lot more where you can. But if you're on that unaware stage or the remarketing stage, I would actually check the, the engagement on your ads in comparison to other ad types, right? Both from a watch perspective to a how many click through to a how many you know, actual social engagements you get. And then if you can track it, which there's technology now to do it, how many of those accounts are actually going to the site and progressing? So I think you know on the marketing side, I would focus there. On the actual video you host on your website, I do recommend using you know, a Vimeo, Wistia, Vidyard, something where you get some trackability so you can actually see if people are engaging with this and how effective it's being, right? So you need to know how many people watch the video. What do they do after? How is it tracked? Um, and a lot of those platforms enable that. And then finally, on the sales side, a lot of companies, you know, they don't have like a high spot or similar tracking tool, but something to find a way to... You know how many of your deals were influenced by sharing these objection crushers or competitive replacement videos. It's one of those things where it's never going to be a one-to-one. You know they definitely bought because we set that video, but there you can look at correlations there and see what are your most successful pieces of sales content. So I think those are the three overall that I would look at, depending on where you're focused on your uh, using the videos.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know whether whether salespeople or marketing folks do this in the form that people fill out on the websites yeah. or in the discovery call with salespeople. I mean, you can always ask the question, well, how did you find out about us? Right.
1: For sure. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, and, 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 chances are they might not say video testimonials, yeah. but if they do that's that's certainly like one, uh, one metric. Right.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have had, actually we have testimonials from our customers saying that where, you know, they ask and they say, we saw this video on your website. So that's
0: a good point to ask that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Dustin. Please get up on your soapbox, because uh, <laughs> here comes the next question. Yeah, A status quo in your area of expertise, and specifically on this topic, right, that you passionately disagree with, and why?
1: Oh, I feel like I've been on my soapbox this whole time already. Yeah, uh. you
0: have. You have. <laughs> I just didn't want to make it that obvious. but like, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so I think, you know, something I passionately dislike, I think is the good way to phrase it, is honestly long form case studies about the company. Like I've already kind of dumped on that a little bit. So, you know, I feel a little bit bad talking about it. I just don't think they work. Like some people do good case studies for sure that are actually valuable. Um, Like Influitive has their upshots, which are really cool because they're first story perspective. There's some people who specialize in writing these who are great. I think most of them are done really wrong and it's an overinvestment in time without much actual return.
0: And the alternative would of course be a shorter video testimonial.
1: Yeah, or even like, so the The alternative, in my opinion, would be yeah. starting with video, creating a case study from the transcript that is actually engaging in the first person, creating quote cards from it, creating audiograms, creating an army of different assets, Fair rather enough. than that boring long form case study.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, for sharing your experience and expertise with the listeners. So please, quick intro to yourself and how people out there can get in touch with you.
1: For sure. So best place to get in touch is on LinkedIn. There's not many Dustin Tiszeks out there, so you'll find me yeah. for sure. Um, I talk about sales and marketing things because that's my background. If you want to learn more about Testimonial Hero, it's just testimonialhero.com. And I'm going to plug my podcast on your podcast as we have a similar one. Please, absolutely. B2B Revenue Leaders, uh, where I interview sales and marketing people, and I basically just try to learn from them.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Yep. So once again, Dustin, thanks so much for your time. Take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Christian. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.iBlake.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.